So the reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Thank you, Sarah, for reading those. If you do have a Bible with you, uh, one to hand, uh, if you're in the building, do, do keep it open at that. Uh, if you're tuning in with us uh, from home and you've got a Bible nearby, keep it open at, at 1 Thessalonians as we look at these words, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer as we come to do that. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for this season of the year. As we're in Advent, uh, and all that it speaks to us about. Please, would you direct our thoughts this morning as we hear your word towards the Lord Jesus and the hope that we have in him. Amen. Uh, well, three weeks to go. Uh, I wonder if you've got your Christmas uh, wish list sorted out, uh, different things maybe on it. I, I guess you, like me, and, and for many of us, the, the things we, we'd be wishing for might be uh, to have guaranteed time with, with family and friends. And perhaps as well to have all, all the talk of death over the past months to be something that is, is kind of behind us. Uh, perhaps that's what you're, you're thinking about. Perhaps the vaccine is what you're, you're looking forward to. And Advent, as Steve probably mentioned earlier, Advent's the time when the church looks forward, uh, not just to Christmas, uh, to Jesus' uh, first coming, but that he's going to come again. Now, that's what Advent's looking forward to. Uh, to. Uh, a reading points us in that direction this morning. It's written by Paul to, to a young church, and, and not unlike us, uh, many of them were reeling uh, from sad news of, of various deaths. Christmas Day, uh, you know how it'll be uh, for some of you. You'll get a present, and you'll unwrap it, and you'll look at it and think, what is that? What on earth is that? I've never seen one of those before. And for a lucky few, for a lucky few, the present will have been chosen by somebody good. There's, there's often someone in families that's really good at coming up with uh, great presents. For the lucky few, it'll have been chosen by someone really good, and they'll explain to you what it is. And you'll look at it, and you'll think, I love that. I didn't know there was something like that. Thank you. In a sense, that's what Paul's doing here. 
Uh, that's what he's doing for these people he's writing to. If you like, he's, he's unwrapping the gospel, and he wants it, to put it before them in their sadness. See why he's writing. Look, verse 13, he says this to them. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. And then again in verse 13, he says, uh, we do not want you to grieve like the rest of mankind who, who have no hope. And then down in verse 18, he says these words, therefore, encourage one another with these words. And you, you get what he's saying. Paul, uh, Paul's saying, look, if you get this, if you begin to understand this about the gospel, it will help your thinking. It will buttress your emotions. It will change you into someone who is an encourager of others. Has that been true for you this past year? Have you found yourself, even as we've gone through difficult things, beginning to get your, your thinking is a bit clearer about how to face up to some of the hard realities of life? Have you found even in a little way your emotions becoming a little bit more robust uh, not that we'll never be sad, not that we'll never grieve, but just a little bit more robust in, in facing up to things. Have you, have you found yourself being able to actually say things to others that encourage them? It's good if that is true for you. If it's not, I don't think Paul would give you a hard time. He knows life can be hard, but he would say to you, come and look again at the gospel. Come and see it as I unwrap it for you. That's what he would say. And look, here, here's the first thing. He says, look, Jesus gives the pattern for our future. He gives the pattern for what our lives will be. Uh, what do Christians expect when they die? Uh, we might talk about going, going to heaven, but in verse 16, Paul is, is less concerned with, with us going to heaven as with Jesus coming from heaven. One Christmas, uh, for a present, somebody gave me some knitting needles and wool. No idea why. I don't think I ever used it. I don't know very much about knitting, but uh, I think you, you need a pattern. You know what patterns are for. They, uh, they, they begin to show you what's meant to happen, what things are going to look like in the end. And I don't know if the Apostle Paul was into knitting, but he seems to understand patterns. You see that in verse 14? He gives us the pattern for our future. That's what he writes. Uh, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Jesus died and rose again. Christians who die will rise again when Jesus returns. What will we be like? You wonder about that? What will we be like on that day? What will you look like? Oh, Jesus sets the pattern. Uh, when he was raised, Jesus had a body that could be touched. He, he ate food. He, he, in many ways, he, he looked like himself. And I guess you and I will too. In many, many ways, we'll be like we are now, and yet we'll be different. Jesus will never die again. And neither will we. Because on that day, all the problems in this life to do with sin and death, they will be history They'll be behind us. Apparently, it was an incredible fight. Uh, it was between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. It was called the Rumble in the Jungle. It took place in Zaire, now Congo. Uh, Foreman was expected to win. 
And Muhammad Ali seemed to employ some strange tactics. In the, in the opening rounds, he just seemed to taunt Foreman and then allow Foreman to pummel him. He was on the ropes being punched time and again. No one realized what he was doing. He was allowing George Foreman to tire himself out in the heat of that evening, uh, getting him all worked up so he expended all his energy. And when his energy was gone, apparently Ali leaned in and said to Foreman, is that all you've got? And at that point, Foreman knew that uh, the fight was over. He was a spent force. He had nothing left. He was a daunting opponent, but it was Muhammad Ali who walked off uh, the victor. Uh, death is a daunting opponent. Our world doesn't really know what to do with it, does it? We, uh, we tend to push it to the sidelines, uh, into care homes, into to hospital wards, or, or we relativize it in ways. E even in songs in children's films, you remember the one from The Lion King? It's just the circle of life. Yeah, but the pretense is over uh, for many in a pandemic. And we begin to panic when it comes close, and we start to think, well, there's this feeling that somebody's letting us down. Uh, but if you have no hope beyond this life, if you don't have any hope beyond this life, then no matter how much you pretend, no matter how much you isolate, no matter how much you, you vaccinate, death will utterly defeat you. But Paul says, well, he says Jesus didn't isolate. No, he faced it head on. That we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And he was able to do what no one else could do. It's as if he, he leaned in close at the cross as he was pummeled by death and said, is that all you've got? And he shares that with Christians, those who are in him. And so we're not people who are meant to give way to fear in the face of death. No, we believe in the resurrection. So in Jesus... Even through tears at times, we can say to death, is that all you've got? I guess one of the implications, if, we, if we're going to be raised one day like Jesus when he comes back, then on that day we'll enjoy new physical, uh, new physical creation, a, a bodily resurrection. Our culture is fast becoming a place where, where people, it seems, really don't like their bodies. And that might sound bonkers, because of the number of selfies that we take. But it, it's like this. We, we've started to think in these kind of ways. Uh, the real me, the authentic me, is, is who, just who I feel I am on the inside. And my body's purpose is, is only in some ways to kind of express who I feel I want to be. But you can see the problem with that way of thinking, because what happens, what happens if it, it seems my body doesn't let me do that? My body on the outside won't want to express who I feel I want to be on the inside. And when, when that happens, when it doesn't correspond with what on the inside I think I want, my, my body hinders me. So I'll not value it. It'll become like my adversary. I want to change it. And why not? Because, because with this thinking, it's not actually the real me. It's not that important. The rise of young men and women who need to take selfies with all sorts of filters and adjustments on not because they love their bodies, but because they're becoming deeply uncomfortable with it. They want to change it in some way. They don't value it. 
But the gospel says something different. It says Jesus died and rose again bodily. Your, your body has a purpose and a future. God loves your body. He made it, and he wants to, to help you learn how to use it now so that in the new creation you'll be able to enjoy it forever. Sport, art, food, friends. Uh, they're all generous gifts in creation from the creator who stands behind them. And there may be differences in the new creation, but it will be a new creation. Now, we believe. Now, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. him. Jesus shows the pattern of, of what our lives will be. But here's the next thing. Look, Jesus assures us now that our lives matter. All sorts, all sorts of events have been canceled this year. The Bible would say, here's one big event that can't ever be canceled, and that's Jesus' return. It's there in verse 15, if you've got it in front of you. And Paul puts it this way. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left at, and then here's the event, the coming of the Lord. Uh, and the word coming that's used there is it's the word parousia. It's, it's, it was kind of used for the arrival of, of a king or a representative to, to a city. And a, a whole city would, would come out to greet him. And that's, that's kind of Paul's sense here. He's saying, look, Christians have been invited to the event of history. The ticket in order for you to, to get a place there it was expensive Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died. He died and rose again. The gospel shows the pattern, but it also reveals the price that was paid to get you to be there. Jesus died in place of sinful people, people like you and me. But he's so keen for you to be there. Now, Paul says the, the, the gospel puts it this way. He's so keen for you to be there. He's not only paid the price, he's going to come and collect you as well. He's going to come for you. Dear friends, and those of you who are watching at home, as well as those of us in the building, do you know the heart of the Lord Jesus towards these little ones? Those of you teenagers maybe watching and you're just beginning to trust the, uh, the Lord Jesus, wondering what he's like, you're getting to know him. Do you know the kind of his, of his heart towards those who he's died to save? One day he'll come for you. You'll not leave it to someone else. He cares about you. He's going to come and collect you. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. And if that's true, look, well, knowing Jesus now, it, it begins to mean we won't miss anything good. We're not given details here, many details about the life to come, but it is described as a parousia. It's a coming in glory. The king will be there, the one who's behind everything in this life that you enjoy. And if this life still has goodness in it, what would that life be like when it's nothing but good? We won't miss anything good. And secondly, we'll be in the place where we are known and wanted. Ancient Perusias, kings would often send a representative, but 
as we've seen already, verse 16, the Lord himself will come down from heaven and he will call. And wherever you are, even if you are in a grave, you will hear him and respond and you'll come to him. And here's a third thing. In that day, there will be no more goodbyes. It's one of the sadnesses of death, isn't it? Having to say goodbye to people. And it seems that the Lord Jesus himself is not a fan of goodbye, so he's decided one day that he's going to put an end to them. Verse 17. And so we will be with the Lord forever. This year's reminded us, hasn't it, in lots of different ways that the things we long for. We, we long for a loving community. And death is a fearful enemy. It is incredible, all the work that's been done by uh, medical professions in, in, in recent uh, months, coming up with a vaccine. It is incredible, all the hard work that's going on. And a vaccine, while great, it can't really secure the first of those things we long for, and it certainly can't defeat the second, not in the end. But God in Jesus offers them both to you. Those feelings of, of wanting to be in a place with those you love and to have all the talk of death as something that is behind you. The Bible says they are the right things to want. It's right to feel you want those things. But it says the only place you can find them is in Jesus Christ. And you've been invited. Now, we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so Paul says to us, Paul says to us, and we, we hear it in this Advent season, therefore, encourage one another with these words. He died and rose again. I don't know what the next year is going to have in store for us. We've got all sorts of hopes, but Christian, take heart. And Jesus is enough for you. And if you're not a Christian, you might still have all sorts of questions about this. In the new year, we're going to run another little Christianity Explored course when you can come and ask questions. If you've got questions, come and ask them and hear some of the answers. But if, if this is true, if this is what God's like and it is, then he's no tyrant trying to spoil life. No, he's, he's the God we've ignored, mistreated. We deserve his judgment, and yet instead, he is offered a great gift and you could even ask him to receive it right now. I'm going to lead us in a short prayer before the musicians come back and lead us again. But let me lead us in a prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for the hope that the gospel gives. And not only that you died and rose again, that we could be forgiven, but that you will one day come again for us. You will call us and bring us home. We will be with you forever. And all the sadness caused by sin and death will be a thing of history. Help us to look forward to that day. And we ask it in your precious name. Amen.